with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let him have what? Dominion. Okay, let's back up. Let us make man in our image. Uh, so an image is like a photograph or maybe an image in a mirror, but it's not the real thing. So we're not God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, or God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but we're made in his likeness, his image. We're a photograph of him. And so he made each individual. He, he gave you a spirit. He gave you a soul, which is your mind, will, and uh, emotions. And then he gave you a flesh. We're three, but one. He's three but one. And I had an older black gentleman that uh, he was at uh, a treatment center that Julie and I were at in Mexico. It's called Santa Vive. And we were there, and he said, he found out I was a pastor. He said, Pastor, Pastor, i got to ask you a question. I said, what's that? He said, man, I've asked pastors. I've asked people. What does it mean by us in the Genesis? No one's been able to answer it. I said, it's simple. It's really simple. We're a three-part being. He's a three-part being. He's one. We're one. But he didn't stop there. He made family too. Mother, father, children, one family. Three but one. That's his image. That's his likeness. That's how he created this whole thing. And everything else, establishing what what did he say he made family for? Let's read it. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, family, have. So what did he, what's your family purpose? Dominion. See, a lot of people, listen, when, when there's a breakdown of something, you know, Julie's learned a long time ago by experience that when something breaks in our house, she doesn't ask me to, ask me to fix it. Because it could get worse. It could get worse than what it was. But if you really want to fix something that's broken down, when we used to have um, projectors, the only way we can get them fixed is was to send them back to who? The manufacturer, the creator. So if you want to fix marriage, you want to fix family, you have to go back to the manufacturer, to the creator, and say, how do we fix this? Unfortunately, what we do in our society is we go to man. Let me tell you what man does. They do what I do. They make it a lot worse. So we try to fix marriage. We create Marriages between two men, two women. We try to fix family. Now they don't even care. They, don't, they want to redefine what family means, uh, redefine it. Has it gotten better? No, it's gotten worse. And no amount of government money, no amount of psychology or sociology is going to help, is going to fix it. You got to go to the manufacturer. You have to go to the creator. And that's where we're going today. We're going to the creator and, what he, and see what he says about family and why it matters. Well, here's why it matters. Because he wants us to establish dominion. Whose dominion? His dominion. We were created for that purpose. Family was created for that purpose, to create dominion. Dominion means, this, listen to this carefully. And by the way, I want to welcome all those online. Thank you for joining us. Dominion means ruling on God's behalf in history so that history comes under God's rule. He wants history to come under his rule through family. A lot of people think, well, the problem with families, they're not happy. No, the problem with families, they don't understand the purpose. 
You're never going to be happy until you understand the purpose in which you were created. You're, you were created not to make you happy. You weren't created to, for all these other things. Well, you know, I'll love them till I divorce them. I'll, I'll stay with them till I'm happy. And we know, again, man tries to fix problems. And now they have wedding vows that say, I'll stay with you as long as I love you. I mean, seriously, there's a bunch of people that take, there's not a few. That's not a minority. There's a lot of people taking those kind of vows right now today in marriages. And so every time man tries to fix it, they break it even more to the point where they're trying to destroy it. Why? Because Satan knows. You break down marriage, you break down family, everything else falls. If families do what they're supposed to do and they understand the purpose of family is to create God's dominion so that his, his rule is established in history. So history is written uh, by God's people establishing his word, his rule on the earth. What does he say? Go ahead and put that back up there. So let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the... And over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. Everything. I created you in my image to establish dominion. My dominion. His God's dominion. The Lord God's dominion over the earth. Over the earth. Go to the next verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created who? Him. So who did he create first? Man. Male and female, he created. So Genesis 1, a lot of people get confused. Why is there Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? Genesis 1 tells us what God did. Genesis 2 tells, God, tells us how God did it. 1 says what and why. Two says, this is how. This is the order I did it. This is how I did it. And, this is, and so we already know why to establish his dominion through family on the earth. And when you get things right, you remember when we talked about love God and people and nothing else, and you got to put God first. We, I put all that stuff in that jar, and, then, and it didn't fit, but I flipped it over and put the big things in first, and it all fit. When you put... God's purpose first in your family, in your marriage, to establish his word, to establish his rule on the earth, happiness follows. When you flip it, it just creates chaos because we know with that absolute truth, there's chaos. And absolute truth only comes from a holy, just, loving God that establishes not you and me. It doesn't come from you and me. I was just listening on the radio coming in. And so, uh, Hope Solo is her name. She's a great soccer player for the United States, won a couple gold medals. She started her uh, new podcast, and she, she, her advertisement was, it's time for me to tell my truth. My truth. We know from last week, if you, of course you forgot because you didn't know. <laughs> from the sermon, Truth Prevails, that, that, when before chaos hit Israel, before chaos hit the earth, the first thing that happened, it says there was no king. Otherwise, there was no one leading them to God. And, and so what happened was is that every man did according to what they thought was right, their truth. 
And what happens if I do my truth and you do your 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 truth, eventually our truths are going to collide and there's going to be war. There's going to be division, strife, racial issues. There's going to be every kind of issue you can possibly think of and every kind of evil because the Bible says where there's strife, division, fighting, there's every man, you open up a door. It's like, I always think about the matrix. If you ever saw the matrix, there was a guy who was the key maker and he opened up one door with the key, walked into a hallway and there was a thousand doors. So when there's strife, division, divorce in a home, that unlocks a door and you unlock a door to demons that unlocks the door to every demon. That's why God's the God of peace, not the God of strife. But what happens is if I live my truth, you, you, know, look, you live your truth. And then only Satan would have people talking around, walking around saying, my truth, my truth, my truth. My, this is my truth. This is my truth. This, I'm living my truth. Man, they're mimicking him, Satan. Because there's only one truth. And it comes from a holy, just, loving God. I'm saying that over and over again so you'll get it. Holy, loving Holy, just, loving God. And it only comes from him. And he's, so if, if there's something broken, we gotta go to the manufacturer and you know, go back and let him fix it. And God can fix it. So I wanna say this to you. I don't care where you're at in marriage. I don't care where you're at in family. Where you been, I should say. I don't care where you been. We can't fix that. But where you are is where you need to start here today. Yeah. You need to start where you are. Not where you been, not yesterday. Can't fix yesterday. But you got to start where you are today. Okay? So don't, don't feel beat up. I don't want you to feel that way. God always gives truth in love. And so I, out of the love of my heart, the love of his heart, he shared this with me. And I'm going to share this with you. Okay. So he created them for dominion. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. And we learn what, uh, what God is uh, is, is, is doing, uh, you know, he explained what and why in chapter uh, one, and now in chapter two, he's going to explain how. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter two, verse seven. We're going to start there. And the Lord God formed the man in the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse eight. Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. I always tell this to people. People say the Garden of Eden. There was a garden in Eden, but that wasn't all of Eden. There, there is a garden there, but that's, the whole place wasn't a garden. There was probably mountains and, and desert and jungle because all, you know, he names all the animals from there. So everything Adam needed was there. And so, but there was, a, there was a garden there too, so he could eat. Eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. I'm going to stop right here. So the first thing that happened was that uh, Adam, who's single, everybody say single. Uh, we're going to do a singles conference sometime this summer. Not a conference, but a, a night for singles at the church. We're going to do a little teaching. But he's single uh, because he doesn't start off married. And the first two things God does is, the first one, he gives him a home. A home. Next thing he does is he gives him a J-O-B. So he has a home and a job. So ladies, if your man don't have a home and a job and you're not married to him yet, don't marry him. And I'm not joking. It sounds funny, but I'm not joking. They should have a home and a job. 
That should be the beginning. That's how God established it. Men, young men, you should have this going for you before you get a wife. You should have a place to stay. I don't care if it's an apartment, a home. You should have a place to stay that's established, and you should have a J-O-B. And keep a J-O-B. Because God never, he never relinquished man from having a job. We're supposed to always have a job. I'll never retire. I'll be 60 this year. I'll never retire. I might not be the pastor of the church, but I'll, I'm never going to retire. And so that's the thing. Next verse, verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Next verse. Uh, skip on down. This is just, this talks about all the rivers and there's a whole nother message in that. Go, go to 15, I think it is. 15, there you go. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. There's the home and the job. The home and the job. A home and a job. So I've had, I've had young women come to me and say, Pastor, I want some counsel. What should I do here? Uh, I like this guy. I love this guy. And I want to marry him. Uh, uh, what, what should I do? And I'm like, I know what they want me to tell them. They want me to tell them, you're in love. Go for it. But what I tell them when they ask me, if they don't ask, I don't say. What I tell, what I, the first thing I ask, any young man or young woman is number one, is, is God the Lord God? You're going to find out here in a moment how important that is. A lot of people say, oh, I love God, I love God, I love God. But when God starts creating all this, you notice it says, then the what? Lord God, Lord God. There's a reason he says Lord God. Lord means master. God means supreme being. That means the supreme being is my master. I'm submitted. My will, your will, not my will. My will submitted to your will, God. You're going to find out here in a moment what Satan does, what Satan calls him. He didn't call him Lord God. I know a lot of people use the word God. There's Christian movies out. They talk about God and God and God, and they call them Christian movies. They never say the Lord God, and they never mention the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're Christian films. They're not Christian films. They might be good family films, and that's cool, but they're not Christian films because there is no Christianity without the Lord God. Master, God means supreme being. Lord means master. That means I'm submitted to him and his authority for my life. It's the first question I ask. And then they'll say, oh yeah, they love God. I'll say, hold on a second. Jesus said, if you say you love me, but you don't obey me, you're a liar. So let me ask the question. So I ask these questions. Do they attend church? Do they pray? Do they read their Bible? Do they tithe? Do they serve? Well, I don't do all that. You need to question yourself. I don't say that to beat you up. I throw no rocks. I'm saying that so you can ask yourself those questions because it's real important. In Matthew chapter 26, it says many. That word many means most. Most people on the planet say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus says, I never knew you. What does he mean? I never knew you as your Lord. You, I was never your Lord. You did your own thing for your own reasons, your own way. I was never the Lord God. The difference between Lord God and God is religion versus relationship. The Lord God is a relationship. God is no, no relationship. The demons in hell 
cannot, will not confess him to be Lord God of their life. Even though they know who he is, they recognize who he is, they will not confess it. They cannot confess. Why? Because they'll never say, I'm submitted to the Lord God. Because they're submitted to Satan. You're either submitted to Satan or to the Lord God. There's no in-betweens. There's no middle ground. I've been there where I didn't even know it. I was ignorant to that. I wish someone would have told me that I was doing Satan's job for him. Not only living it myself, but I was always encouraging others to go with me. Greatest regret of my life. Wish someone would have told me. No one taught me this. That's why I'm teaching that today. Family matters. What you do matters. So he said, then the Lord God took him, put him gave him a home and a job. Next verse. And the Lord God commanded the man. So he gave him a home, a job, and now he's giving him commandments. He's giving him the word. This is what you do, Adam, and what you don't do. God will tell you what to do and what you don't do. So he says this, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Stop right there. Don't flip to the next one. You may freely eat. So he's like, all this stuff you can eat. It's like the tithe. This is the tithe. He says, 10% is mine. It doesn't belong to you. You're not giving it to God. Like you're blessing him. You're paying him back. That's a tithe. I owe the tithe. You know how I know that? Because Malachi 3 says, the tithe is mine. And he said, I, com- I consider you a thief because you're not giving me the tithe. You stole that money because that's mine. This is where he established that. He's like, I've given you 90%. Can you not honor me with 10? I gave you, what? You, he didn't give me anything. I worked for it. Who gave you the energy to work? Who gave you the job? Who opened up those doors? Who blessed your life? It's God. Who gave you breath in your lungs? God, God and God alone gave you the, who gave you that ability, that skill? Oh, I was born with it. Yeah, because God gave it to you. So he said, honor me. And he's establishing that right here. He's like, freely eat of the 90. Next verse. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. The reason he established the tithe and established this, guys, is so that we would love money, that we were constantly giving in supporting God's dominion, his rule through the church and family on the earth. And so we're constantly giving. He's trying to keep our eyes off of money, just the same uh, scripture Pastor Sergio said, so we don't trust in ourselves, we trust in him. He said the man who trusts himself can see prosperity, but he'll never be blessed. Blessed means happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. All of it. He will have money, but he'll have no joy. He'll have no peace. He'll have no hope. He'll have no happiness. He'll have to constantly make more money and constantly spend it in order to try to feel something. Because something new makes you feel a certain way. And they live for it. And God's saying, I don't want you to do that, so I'm going to establish something very early on. I don't want you to touch what's mine. Don't touch what's mine. Don't touch what's mine. And he, want, he wants to teach. So this is, he said, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not, what? That's important. You shall not eat. He didn't say anything else about it. He just said, don't eat it. He didn't say he didn't look at it. He didn't say don't touch it. He said, don't eat it. He said, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's what people do with their tithe. But this isn't a tithing message. I'm just showing you an illustration. They eat their tithe because they know better than God. That's what the knowledge of the tree 
the, the knowledge of good and evil, that tree is I know better than God. That's that. I know better than God what is right and wrong in this marriage. I know better than God what's right and right for me. I know better than God than God what's right or wrong for my children. I know better than God than what's right and wrong in society. I know better than God. That's what that whole statement is. I know better than God. Wish someone would have told me this when I was 13, when I was 12, when I was 10, and kept telling me till I got it. Because I thought I knew better than God. I thought I could determine right and wrong instead of God determining the holy, just, loving God determining what is right and wrong. He said, what will happen if you eat it? You shall surely die. Next verse. And the who said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Next verse. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam. Who did he bring them to? Okay, so he says, it's not good that Adam's alone and I'm gonna show him some things, but first I'm gonna have Adam name the animals. And you notice Adam's still single. You know why he's single and naming those animals? I'll explain it to you. So Adam's sitting here. If Eve was with him, and a zebra walked up, he'd go, zebra. And she'd go, oh. <laughs> well, well, what do you think, stripey? <laughs> yes, dear. Okay, stripey. What do you want to do next? Here's the, I can just hear it. What do you want to do next? Uh, I don't know, you pick. <laughs> How about we do them over there? Oh, no, 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 not them. Well, then you pick. No, 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 you pick. <laughs> How about them? No, no, not that one. Mm-mm. Well, you pick. No, 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 you, 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 you pick. How about, how about we do the insects? Oh, not the insects. They're creepy. No. Well, then you pick. No, 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 honey, you pick. Some of you are going to have that conversation here in about 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> going to lunch. And that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a Bible version. That's Troy Smotherman's version of that. But I know there wasn't any distractions there. But that wasn't the only reason. He wanted to show Adam what he was missing. He'd already said it's not good for man to be alone. Why didn't he just create Eve right then? No, he had him name the animals first. He wanted to establish a couple things. He wanted to establish his leadership. Adam's leadership. Adam's the leader. Okay, he's first. He's the leader. And he also wanted to do, he wanted to show Adam, Adam, here's the difference between what I bring you, because he brought the animals to Adam, what I bring you, and you need to know the difference. If I don't bring it to you, then it's not for me. You don't want it. Adam's leadership, Adam, this is what I bring to you. You need to recognize the difference between things I bring you and things I don't bring you. I'm bringing these animals so that when I bring you a woman, I brought her too. Leadership, what I, he has to have the discernment now. Man has to have the discernment, and there's a reason. God has a reason for it. I want you to have discernment to know what I do and what I don't do. You notice not one of these animals uh, that he brought to Adam, out of all the species, not one of them talked to Adam. 
He didn't have a conversation with an elephant, a zebra, nobody. He said, I want you to know the difference between what I bring and what I don't bring. So he names them. And then God goes about creating woe man. I like to call it woe man instead of woman. What verse are we on? 15, 16, where are we at? Let's go to 15. What was 15? Can we get there? 15, can we go to 15? Oh, no, we're right there. We're at 19. That's good. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that's what was its name. Men, men, what you call, what you speak, what you speak over your family, what you speak over this earth will come to pass. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the, and every man will eat the fruit of it for life or for death. He's establishing man as the leader, and what he speaks carries very serious weight. And when he doesn't speak and he's supposed to, that carries weight too. Doing nothing is doing something when you're supposed to be doing something. Man's words carry great weight. Now, now go to verse, uh, let's go to verse 22. Go to 22. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woe man and brought her to the man. So you notice he brought, he brought the animals and said, this, this is what I'm bringing you. This is from me. It's a gift from me. He brought woman to Adam. This is what I'm bringing you. She's a gift from me. So now he knows she's from God. Now he knows she's from God. Now, he says, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. She good looking because she was taken out of man. Go ahead. We're going to get to the wedding vows. Therefore, now we're getting to the wedding vows. This is when they, they were both single. Now they're getting married. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they both were naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I always say sex was created by God. It was created to be enjoyed, but it was only created to be enjoyed between a man and a woman and as husband and wife. And in that, that is sinless. It's called sinless, sinless sex. It's good. It was created by God. And that's the only reason he created it for right there between a man and a woman, husband and wife, to be good. Because what we do, what husbands and wives do when they come together, they establish the vows that God spoke over the first uh, marriage that the two shall become. That's, that's a constant confirmation of that. And God made it to be enjoyed so that we would continually remember that the two are one and that what God put together, no man shall divide. That man there means mankind, man or woman, shall divide. God's establishing things he established vows, and the vow is between, you first, the first thing you say is the vow, the vows you say I do to are to God. The next vows you say to each other are to each other. So you vow to God and each other in a marriage ceremony. But first you make a vow to God. That this is from you, we believe that you brought us together, so we know it's from you. Here's the problem 
And if you find yourself in this situation, I got hope for you. God can fix it. But here's the problem. When people come from broken homes, broken, they're broken. Why are they broken? Because the parents aren't living according to the word. They're broken. Broken people create a broken marriage that create broken, what comes next? Children. Broken people create a broken marriage that creates broken children. Somewhere along the line, someone has to draw the line and say, I'm going to stop being broken so that my children aren't broken. Or even though my parents are still broken, I'm a child of that. I'm not going to be broken. The only way I cannot be broken is i got to go back to the manufacturer and let him fix me. Let him fix me. If you find yourself in a marriage that there's brokenness in both of you, you both need to pursue God together and let him heal that, fix that, correct that, because then it can come under his, the manufacturer can fix it and make it right again so it works. So two healthy people coming together make a healthy marriage that creates healthy children. Not perfect, but healthy. Someone say amen and amen. Not perfect, but consistently right. That's how, that's how that should look. But what happens is Satan enters the picture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, after they take the wedding vows, what does Satan go after? He goes after the marriage. He goes after the marriage. Why? This is, this is why. If marriages are good, then families, children are good, so families are good. When families are right with God, then God's dominion, his rule, starts to be established because they go to work in other places, establishes God's dominion, his rule over workplaces that establish governments that establish nations. Everything's right when the family's right with God. Everything's wrong when the family's not right with God. And it all begins with the men. We're going to find out what happens right here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Don't you ever think Satan's not slick. He is very slick. He is the most slick. More cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God. You notice what words he used there? Not Lord God. God, this is the difference between religion and relationship. The people who say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says, I never knew you, they're religious. They have a religion. They don't have a relationship. They're doing things their way, not God's way. They either have truth without love or love without truth. They've messed it up. And he, so Satan's already establishing the spirit of religion. Hey, you can... This God thing is, oh, is real, but let me tell you, let me create some religious attitude in you. Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It's just a question. Has God really said that? Next verse. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you know who she's calling him now? God. He's he's already convinced her. He's not the Lord God. He's just God. You're not in relationship with him. He's already pulled her into that religious world where, yeah, there's a God. Yeah. What, What does Jesus say? If you love me, you will obey me. 
If you say you love me, but you don't obey me, you're a liar. And God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you. Is that true? Already, Religion twists scripture. It adds to it, twists it, messes it up. Already chaos, already chaos, already chaos, already chaos. Get away from absolute truth. There's already problems, already problems. You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She got some of that right. Next verse. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Didn't say everybody wouldn't, just said you wouldn't. That's how people think. Not me. This won't happen to me. I can determine my own right and wrong. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what that was about was, that was when you ate of it, it it wasn't poisonous. It wasn't like, what is it, uh, Sleeping Beauty or something? It's not Sleeping Beauty's apple. It's not poisonous. It's It's just rebellion to God. I don't think it had any poison in it at all. It just was, God said, don't touch this. Or not don't touch it, don't eat it. So don't eat it. So when you eat of it, what you're saying is, I'm going to decide what is good and evil. My truth. My truth. He's, he's convincing her, you won't die. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. Sin always looks good. I can testify. Sin looks good. Man, it looks good. Satan makes it look good. The Bible says sin is even pleasurable for a season for a season till the price comes till the price comes all that party and all that good uh, I'm living I'm partying I'm drinking I'm dr- I'm living I'm living the, the vida loco whatever it is loca whatever it is I'm living the life you know I mean I'm out here I got I got my suave on I'm doing it all yeah right 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 beauty's fading it fades and that lifestyle ends in absolute disaster. That's what God told them, but the serpent's already getting her. He Notice it's, it's, he's like, you will not surely die. This is not going to be bad for you to, to do stuff that God said not to do. It won't be bad. Oh, he always convinces people of that. I've had him look me in the eye and say, oh, no, it's cool. I can do No, nah, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking. I got this, man. I'm doing my thing. Nothing I can do about that. Pray. Say, man, God, I hope when that pain comes, they run to you. I hope when the pain comes from those decisions, they run to you. I'm going to do my marriage the way I want to. Yeah, go ahead. When the pain comes, I hope you run to God. Next verse. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. It's going to be good for you. And you will be like Knowing good and evil. No, it's deciding good and evil for yourself. So we know that happens. Next verse. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, sin always looks that way, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband. Where was he? Where? And he ate. Oh, man. This is the passive man. Adam's pacified. He's standing right there with her. No other animal ever spoke. Now the serpent's speaking. Where are they at? Where's this taking place at? What is that called? Their home. Men, 
when you can't distinguish what God brought into your life to what Satan brings into your home, you're in trouble. You better know the difference. Because Adam knew no animal had ever talked. So you have to know the difference, and then you have to speak up and fight. You have to put on your armor and become the spiritual warrior of your home and fight back. He says nothing the whole time. He's with her. He didn't say, he didn't say, honey, excuse me. Stand back here. I got this. You foul serpent, get out of my home. He had authority. He'd have to speak in the name of Jesus. He had, he had God's, you foul serpent, get out of my home. That thing had to leave just like that. He doesn't. He doesn't do that. And Eve doesn't say, honey, you're the head of the home. What do you think of this? Is this right? No. She hands, the, she hands it to him. Come on, Adam. You come with me. You eat with me. Ladies, have you ever done that? You've inspired your husbands to anger or bitterness or hurt or inspired them to sin because you wanted it? Both people have a responsibility here, but the number one responsible person is Adam. He should have stepped in no matter what she wanted and took care of it. But he didn't do his job. And when there's not order, where God is the Lord God over the man, and the man is the head of the woman, and they're both submitted to God, and they're partnering, and they're working together to raise the children, when that gets out of order, there's chaos. There's sin and death. And that's what comes out of this. To her husband with her, and he ain't men. Doing nothing is just like doing something. You're making a decision when you're passive. We're called to be the spiritual warriors and fighters of our home. And it's not that our, our wives aren't armored up with us, but we're the front line. They're our backup. God's calling you to care about your family. Well, pastor, I'm divorced, and man, I don't have a family. You got kids, you got a family. You better start being the spiritual warrior for them, even for your ex-wife, especially for your future wife. But if you're in a relationship right now, you got to start right now establishing the Lord God, a relationship with him, and the husband, the man, you're accountable. Why? How do we know that? When they, when they did this, and the Lord came walking in the garden. Who did, whose name did he call? He said, he didn't say, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam. He didn't even call for Eve. He said, Adam, where are, you? where are you? Just like when you want satisfaction at a place, you ask for who? The manager. Are you the manager or the owner? I want to talk to the head friend. He went right to the leader. Adam, where are you? What did they do? Hide. That's when people say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You know what they're doing? Hiding. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to pray anymore. I ain't going to that church. That church, all they want is their money. That church, all they want is this. That, that pastor, da, 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 da. that squinty-eyed, bow-legged pastor, he's probably going to talk about me again today. Someone's been telling him. Some of you think that right now. Online in here. You think I'm talking to you that I know about what you're doing. I don't know. I mean, most of the time, I don't want to know. I just, I just, in a love and truth, I wish someone would have told me this. 
that marriage has a purpose. It's to establish God's dominion, not my happiness. And that when I do that, I will be happy. All the other good things that come from life will be that. When I understand marriage has a greater purpose than just you and me being happy or you and me getting along. That's, man, that's not the highest purpose. The purpose is we're through marriage, we're supposed to be the image and a reflection of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Husband, wife, and children. One unit. Honoring God. Being an image and an, an example to the world that God loves and God cares and God's a family and God's a God of relationship. That's what we're supposed to say with our lives. Talks to Adam. And then Adam develops a victim's mentality. It's the last thing I'm going to tell you. He develops a victim's mentality. You know what he says? He says, God, it's that elephant you gave me. It's that tree. No, who does he blame? He said, it's that woman. He doesn't even call her Eve. It's like... It's that woman you gave. A victim's mentality says, the reason we have marriage problems and the reason I act this way is because of you. I act this way because of you. Because you act that way, I act this way. I'm a victim of you. God never told us to have a victim's mentality. Victim's mentality will destroy your life. You're waiting on someone else to fix it. And even if they did, you'd blame somebody. You'd, you'd say this. Oh, yeah, now, now you fixed it. But before, you'd stay a victim. God never called us to be victims and blame someone else for our choices and our behavior. He called us to take authority, to establish dominion and rule, and to make our choices and live by our choices, not blame someone else for our choices, but to take responsibility for our choices. That's called, a, that's called a victor's mentality versus a victim's mentality. God wants us to be victorious. Because he's a victorious warrior, he called us to be victorious warriors, not victims of somebody else. So, Adam blames Eve. Who does Eve blame? Satan. They're both victims. He, Adam becomes a victim. It's that woman. And then Eve's like, oh, it's the devil. Uh, they both became victims, and that's why they got kicked out of the garden and sin and death entered the world, and then Jesus had to come. The Bible calls him the second Adam. The second Adam. But this one's not born of dirt. This one's born of a woman and, and of the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't rebel. Adam doesn't, is not deceived. He rebels against God. Passively rebels but Jesus obeyed and that's why he was the perfect sacrifice so that we could be born again why do we need to be born again because we're if we're born if we pass through a mom in a death a mom to be born on the earth which we all have we are born with the sin and death of Adam Jesus said, I've come, and I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice for you, and I'm going to pay the price for Adam's sin and rebellion and all of your sin and rebellion so that you can be forgiven. And instead of eternal death, you'll have eternal life, and, you'll, and I'll cause you to be born again, so I'll change your nature that you were born with. I don't have to, you don't have to teach children to be rude. You have to teach them to be polite. <laughs> they can already be rude. Um, 
We're born with that sin nature and that death nature. So when Jesus, when we accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, he causes the inside. The first one's an outside birth, but has spiritual implications. This one's an inside birth. He causes our spirit, which is dead in sin, to come alive and to be right with God again, the way Adam was originally. But it's even better. It's not based on what we do or don't do anymore. It's based on what Jesus did. That's better. That's better. Listen, every eye closed in the room. Every eye, if you need to remove distractions, watching online, if there's a bunch of distractions, close your eyes too, because that's all that is for. That's not some religious thing. It's just to remove distractions so you can focus on this question. Do you have some religion and you believe in God? Or is he the Lord God and you obey him? Or is he God and you do your own thing? Do you have your truth? and Man, that's your interpretation. Eh, this is mine. No, guys, the Bible's not that complicated. Please. Please. The question is, is he the Lord God? And how do, how do I know that, Pastor? Well, this. Did you think about him today, what he wanted to do? Did you think about him yesterday? Did you seek him? Did you read it? Did you have any desire at all to read the word or to pray or to spend time with him? Did you ask him, how do I fix my marriage? Or how do I minister to my kids? Or how do I do this here or there? Are you talking to him all day long? Asking or not just asking, but listening for his, are you reading the word so that you can get his instruction? Are you serving? Are you serving your family? Or do you just want your rights? In your home? Are you serving in the church or you just want to come and eat? Are you giving? Are you giving to your family? Are you giving to the church? Are you, are you doing anything for anyone? The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. That's how you'll know your own life. What's the fruit of your life? Are you thinking about, hey God, how do you want to do this? What do you say? I want to do it your way. Your way, your truth, your life. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You want to live life and life to the full? You want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, for your marriage, for your family? You want to be healed from brokenness and messes maybe you were born into or taught? Taught marriage was cheap, you just throw it away. Start again. And you know there's something better. Something better. And the better is not Troy's truth. It's not your truth. It's God's truth. If you've never prayed and said, God, I want you to be the Lord God. I, by choice, submit to your will. Adam and Eve had choices God gives people choices. You have a choice. Satan's way, God's way. You choose. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It's one plus one equals two. It's simple. You choose. God didn't expect you to be perfect, but you can definitely be consistent. 
you've never prayed and really said, you are the Lord God, I'm following you from now on. I'm not following me, I'm following you. Teach me to, give me a desire to read my Bible. Give me a desire to pray. Help me, he'll help. He'll help. He doesn't leave us alone. He helps us do these things. He'll give you his Holy Spirit to help you. He's the helper. If you've never prayed, let's pray. Or maybe you've prayed and you're in rebellion. You've eaten of the fruit of sin and you're like, man, I'm going back. I'm going to eat a bunch of it. Maybe you've been deceived in thinking that you can get away with it. and Somehow God's okay. He's not. So whether it's the first time or the next time, you need to pray and get right with God. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Online, send us a message right now. We get them all the time, man. We have so many people getting saved online from around the world and the country. Send us a message. Say, I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. In this room, on the count of three, raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Here we go. Online, send the message right now. In this room, one, two, three, put your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. Thank you, 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 all over this room. I don't care who you are. This shouldn't be about me. shouldn't be about you. should be about you and God. If you're not right, then let's get right right now. If you have a desire to, it's your choice. Just lift your hand up and say, it's me too. I'm going to get right with God. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? All right, let's pray, church. Let's pray with these online and these here. I don't care if you're watching online on Thursday or Tuesday. Man, pray this. It's just as valid as it is today. Say this. Say, Lord God, I believe you sent Jesus because you love us. You love me. He died for my sins. You raised him from the dead, and he is alive. I believe that your word The Bible is absolute truth. And you said, if I would confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Lord Jesus Christ, you would save me. If I asked you to forgive me, you would forgive me. So right now, in Jesus' name, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive right now your forgiveness. I start today with you. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. Teach me now by your word and by the Holy Spirit how to live life and life to the full following you. In Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate how good God is. Come on.